Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ida Rodriguez, with my latest episode of Truth Serum. First, I want to apologize for us being late. We were having some technical issues, and um, we are here. So welcome to this new episode of Truth Serum. If it's your first time joining, thank you for being here today. I hope you add us to your library of content, that you subscribe and follow our channel. We're not only trying to grow the show, but grow a community where we have honest, sometimes uncomfortable conversations that will hopefully contribute to a movement that demands progress. If you've already subscribed to our channel, thank you for your support. And as always, we count on you to like and share our content and bring more people to join these important conversations for our community, especially in these hard times that require organizing and action. Um, I wanted to uh, just say, Today, we're going to have a conversation with Killer Mike. Um, I love Killer Mike. I think Killer Mike is important for the culture. Uh, he is out there um, speaking his truths. We have had many conversations uh, with people who are have their lists of people that they cancel. And every week, it's a whole different group of people that are doing nothing, canceling people who are actually trying to do something. So uh, in, in terms... In terms of that, I want to make sure that we don't have antagonistic, antagonistic and contentious conversations with people who are look like us and all want a better world, to so want to see a better world for all of us. So I, I invite you to uh, contribute with your questions and um, please, uh, and your comments. And uh, just let's have a, a good conversation. And just remember, uplift and amplify the voices of the people who look like you. Um, we do a lot of talking and a lot of criticizing, but people who are actually on the ground doing the work, we need to exalt them because the mainstream doesn't do that. And progressive minds, they, we need them right now more than ever. So uh, Mike is joining us now. Can you hear me, Mike? my wife and her friend that stopped the ratchetry that we have important things to talk about. <laughs> How <laughs> like you doing? doing? Yeah. I love your wife though. I'll follow you yeah, on right I'll follow y'all both on Instagram because you guys she says Good. how are you doing? She and you always you, yeah because you be stealing her stuff. Like she tells she she's says, always I be putting... stealing your stuff. She talks back too much. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man. Listen, before I start this, and I, I just had to say thank you to you because you, you posted a video of mine that went viral. And because of you, I'm have a deal for an animated series with Nick Weidenfeld. So I, I like- Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Nick is my man. And it's because of your work. I just like being a connector and a plugger. So I'm happy that, that I could help you become a blip on the radar of people who should be pushing dope products. So, no, for I, you guys who may not know, Nick Widenfeld's a pretty powerful person, um, television and content. He's been with Vice. He's been with um, he's been with um, Cartoon Network, and is a very good friend of mine as well. Yeah, he loves you. He loves you. So, first, I want to start this conversation by explaining to people what a Pan Africanist is, because yeah. a lot of people need to know what where you are, where you stand, and what you stand for. Well. Um, my, uh, uh, if, if it was the 20s and 30s, I'd be a Garveyite. You know, if, uh, if it was the 90s, I'd be under Dr. Amos Wilson and John Henry Clark. And, you know, my ideal is taught by Ms. Baraki, who's my social study teacher, is a pan-Africanist, is someone 
people's thoughts and concerns are with the diaspora of African peoples or the people that Elijah Muhammad called the original man and woman. So my concerns are from the tip of Africa to the bottom, from the east to the west, whether we're talking about the kingdom that's formerly known as Kush or Kemet, the Malian Empire, the eastern horn of Africa, the land of Western Africa, where many of us are brought from and brought here to um, illegal and evil indentured servitude and slavery. So my thoughts and concerns are with the original man and woman that stepped off that continent and the people that have spread as far as the United States, the Caribbean, even where the most African DNA is outside of Africa, Brazil and places like that. My goal is to concern myself and to make sure that we all know we family and to make sure that the treatment that we receive globally, um, which is oftentimes hostile and wrong, is something that we can re resist in solidarity. So now my thoughts and minds first with us. And I, I love that. I appreciate that so much, being Puerto Rican and Dominican. Coming, uh, we are diaspora children. All it means is the boat stopped a little early. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And a lot, a lot of we got a lot of self-hating Latin people, but we also have a lot of people who understand our blackness. And right now, there's a big Black Lives Matter movement happening in Puerto Rico that a lot of people they took a guillotine to the uh, governor's office <laughs> with <the laughs> Black Lives Matter well, people. In. Let me, let me, um, you know, I've, I just wanted to remind people that. There's a there's an aim to separate us. There's an aim to separate the Dominican from that court. I mean, the Dominican from the Haitian. The only difference, you know, a lot of times is one on, was owned by the Portuguese, one was owned by the French. There's a there's a willful commitment to try to act as though Puerto Ricans do not have um, a, a, do not have a significant amount of the African diaspora in them. When my Puerto Rican friends who are older than fifty tell me they would be in their classrooms as children, they would literally show them the people they're comprised of. One would include an African, one would include a Spaniard and the indigenous peoples. And to be very honest with you, I don't know if we'd have Pan-Africanism and the history that we have if it wasn't from a black Puerto Rican man named Ontario Schomburg. You know, the Ontario Schomburg Museum that's in Harlem is one of the greatest cultural artifacts for the diaspora, the globe over. And he was Puerto Rican, but he understood and thoughts and concerns with the Pan-African Pan diaspora, and I'm thankful for him. So I'm glad that um, accounts I follow on IG, that I follow Taz's Angels for totally wild and crazy reasons. And those two girls, um, are, have, I've seen them blossom into young women who are like, yo, we're Dominican, we're black, we're Latina, and they push the line. And I just came for the, for the, for the bullshit and ratchetry. So it's amazing that you can, you can take it in any part of your life. You know, I, it's interesting you ask that because as Twitter, I'm described as a Pan-Africanist gangster rapper, Shana's husband, a lover of weed, politics, and polo. And I am those things. And it's possible to be a Pan-African in every step, whether you're selling waters on the side of the street or you in the politician suite, you can take part of African responsibility of making sure that her people are taken care of with you. Well, I mean, in this purest uh, social media world that we live in, you're not allowed to be um, uh, nuanced, right? So I, I am one of those people that was very upset about these lists of people who got canceled because there's a bunch of people who not doing shit canceling the people yeah. who are on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? But I think that we got to learn how to pull our people to the side and say, hey, man, this is not OK because of this and this instead of blasting family in front of the company. But yeah. That, yeah. You, it's some things you handle. It's like, you you know, when you mess up, your mom's like, I'm going to whip your ass when you get home. Right. So the whole yeah. day you like, I know I'm going to get it. And I think you chastise. But a part of like Kingy and nonviolence, the end re re resolution to the sixth step of King and nonviolence is, is reconciliation. We, we must always remember to be patient with each other, to understand that reconciliation is the goal. And if I can't, I can forgive you and just never get with you again. But in most cases, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing us hold grudges 
um, over each other, over stuff that's forgivable and we can move past. And we see other cultures just get past their disagreements with one another in order to move in solidarity against us. So I would suggest that we learn to move in solidarity for one another because the stronger the group is, the stronger the individual is, and the stronger the individual is, the stronger the group is. I agree. So, and when we talk about Caribbean people, because I have seen a lot of people coming for the Caribbeans, I tell American Black people, well, if you can't have me, then you can't have Elijah, uh, you can't have Louis Farrakhan, you can't have Marcus Garvey, you can't have I mean, you can't have Kwame Ture, yeah, you don't get stuck with Carmichael, yeah, you don't get Shirley Chisholm, yeah, now we are, there was just a difference of a boat stop. My wife is Geechee, so her family, her dad's side of the family comes from an island, um, off the coast of South Carolina. I don't understand 40% of what she's saying, but every time we're in the Caribbean, they understand everything she's saying. So Absolutely. I know for a fact that it's just a matter of vote stoppage. It's not a matter of truth. The cultural differences oftentimes that we celebrate are just differences that we share because we had different ownership. One, The Portuguese on one, the Haitian, I mean, the, the French on another, the United Kingdom on another, but does not mean that we are not at our core the same people or capable of the same diaspora principles. Now, there's certain things that Jamaicans going to take care of other than Jamaica and they don't need anything but my quiet solidarity. So let me shut up and stand in solidarity. That's there right. are things that go on in the United States where the people who are safe from here, from the people that are directly enslaved in the South, they don't need any opinions about who needs to, and they just need solidarity, quiet right. solidarity. Same as in Puerto Rico, same as in Island Dominica, same as down in South America. And I think that we should start to learn that but we're only 56 years free in this country and i want to remind us that you know before we get to the point we're ready to throw each other out 56 is not very old it's very young it's young for a person a human being these days and it's actually young for for any um for any people so let's be more forgiving with one another and more understanding as we try to progress together so when we talk about solutions because you are a man of solutions right you're you're not really a complainer you are a, a nah, person I was taught, yeah, for man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would that's not everyone looked up to in my house. Yeah, or find somebody who know how to fix it, but right. so when you we talk about solutions and we talk about basic things that people who are not rich or famous or feel like they have a lot of power, what do you think are some of the things that they could be doing in order to move us forward? Well, I only been rich and famous about eight years. The first 12 years of my rap career did not go very well. And at the same time, it did not go well for me. I still was active in my community. I still mentored and helped people. I still make sure I help people organize by helping people to mobilize with what liberal celebrity and money I had. I made sure that I have voted in every election. I've encouraged others and got them out to vote. But what does voting matter? Because my presidential candidate then wins. So your school board member can win, your city council person, your wardsman can win, and then you can have a direct effect on local politics. I can get to the mayor with that one to two phone calls. My grandmother was a regular woman, a nurse, nobody knew her. Her funeral was packed like a celebrity and she could get to the mayor in six phone calls because she was persistent and consistent and constantly in her community working. So that's what you can do on a very local level. You can make sure you're taking care of your right to vote on a very local level. You can be helping grassroots organizations that need hands. You got people that are organizing in every city to feed the homeless. They don't have enough hands to help them on Saturdays and Sundays. Go out. And that's going to say, well, what's feeding the homeless going to do? It's going to get you actual testimony from those people so you can start to understand systemically these people are more likely to. How do we fix the systems? You know, and so for me, I think that organizing on a local level is the best thing. And the plot plan strategize organizing localized. Plot out what you think you want. Start to plan and then strategize with others so you can learn. You can give and get information 
then you organize and mobilize. So that's that's a very simple thing. And if we all do a little, no one has to do a lot. I don't want you to quit your job and become overwhelmed with saving the world because usually that overwhelms you and it drives you into a depression. You know, mm-hmm. what I'd like to see you do is work in solidarity with other people and which you're assigned um, committees or groups and you guys can handle each individual things in a small group together and make for a bigger win. So in, in terms of getting people out to vote, I don't need you to get your whole side of the town out to vote. I need you to get 10, 15, or 20 of your friends and family members to vote. Because 10 of us do that, that turns into 200. Well, what does 200 votes count? The current mayor that we have in Atlanta, Georgia, was elected by 720 votes. Mm. Now you think about that. That's 72 people getting 10 people to vote. So that's the importance that we need on a local level. So for, for any one of the diaspora, let's start to see where we're strong politically and push. For anyone in the diaspora, let's see where we're strong economically and push. And let's start making sure that media outlets like yours are serviced just like the larger corporate-owned media outlets. So the information that we're getting is biased for us, and we're not just the subjects or some type of weird media zoo that people are looking at and talking about, but the actual participants in the life that is being talked about. Oh, yeah. No, I get accused of being a communist all the time because I. Um, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> you already know. So you, uh, Keisha Bottoms and uh, T.I. came under fire from some people who thought that when you were talking about what was happening in Atlanta, you were in support of law enforcement. And th- those of us who were watching were like, you know, we, as, as like I said, you watch the list and I'm like, yo, who is compiling this list of people? Like, where where is this stuff coming from? So when you uh, when you spoke, I saw you watch uh, talk to Tim Black, and you said you're not uh, in favor, you're not against black people for law enforcement. But what you had something specific to say about what was built in Atlanta, where you don't see in many other cities across America. And yeah, why I was talking. Yeah, I was talking to Atlanta, for Atlanta on the behalf of Atlanta. Now I can, if you're from Atlanta, we can have the discussion. But if you're not from Atlanta. Right. That discussion wasn't for you. I appreciate you appreciating it, but the discussion wasn't for you. That's one of the times I need you just in quiet solidarity. Well, why would Michael establish the fact that he's a son of someone who's a former law enforcement and he's akin to law enforcement? Well, I just wanted to establish that because I'm in the I'm in police headquarters. I don't want to be there. I want to acknowledge the black officers that so, showed a sigh of relief when I got there. I want to acknowledge the fact that our mayor was fighting like hell behind the scenes to make sure the officers did not go in at that time. I want to acknowledge the fact that I am who I am. I'm not going to change who I am. You ain't going to pop up later whether father was a cop. No, you're going to hear it from me. Now that we've heard that, let's hold law enforcement in the city of Atlanta to task in saying that I've been a supporting admirer of the men in my life and I respect since, um, and my community has, since the eight original Atlanta police officers who did not have arrest rights over white people were denied guns and had to dress in a YMCA because they were called or referred to or believed to be niggers. So I needed to establish that law enforcement, even in Atlanta, has been racist, prejudiced, and systemically wrong. Now, if you don't have the will to travel the whole speech with me, or you don't have the comprehension skills to see what happened there, I can't help that. I understood Minister Farrakhan Elijah Muhammad at 13 years old. Some people just 43 years old calling me a sellout and just on, and they've never read messages to the black man. So I can't help how you feel about me. I know what my words did. They set up and held the police accountable and responsible because I'm not an enemy. I'm not saying, oh, what I'm saying right now is I have seen this police department have very good men. And I've seen it as a system still be as morally corrupted as is the day that the first 
that the first eight black black men were allowed to be policed. With that said, within days, um, policemen who look like me, not all, but some who look like me, mm -hmm. um, were arrested. And they were arrested and child, child um, charges were filed because they snatched a Morehouse and a Spelman student out of a car. Now, again, I'm talking specifically to Atlanta. Well, what does that matter, Mike? When the policemen's names came across the screen, a teacher that I know so who worked with him said, yeah, he was in it for the hunt. And what I what I what I what I mean by that is he had worked with him and had seen him break up fights with children and had seen him handle children badly. So my, my thing became, all right, Atlanta. And what I was trying to express is because some white folks got mad in Atlanta, too. They say it was racist that I say protect black businesses. Mm -hmm. But Atlanta has had this balance where they've been able to, as a black community, figure it out. Um, turning the economic dollar. They've been able to figure out um, essentially black leadership that does not become corrupted and drive a city bankrupt. They seem to have figured out, although constantly under attack by the state to try to seize control of the airports and business, they figured it out. We are not perfect. Our educational system that is named 60, 70% for black educators and emancipators has to grow back to the brilliant thing it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. But with that said, where else is there an education system where a child can go to Frederick Douglass High School and the rival is Benjamin E. Mays and the teachers went to Booker T. Washington and then the Morehouse, Clark and Morris Brown? Atlanta has a has the potential to be for the black diaspora what Israel is to the Jewish diaspora. It has the potential to be in the United States. It has the potential to be an economic political and social enclave in which you can experience freedom here without the threat of duress on a constant basis. And that's just the truth of the matter. Now, there are other parts to my speech that I think are equally important, but if you did not get through the eight-minute speech, you did not get the point of what I'm telling you is, you rightfully so are rioting. You rightfully so are mad as hell. I wanted to burn the world to the ground. But if we do not plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize, if we do not do that, we will forever sit under tyranny. To, for Harriet to escape the people she escaped, for him, her to aid him, that did not, she did not just wake up and say, I'm tired, I'm going to burn the, foundation, the plantation down. Well, she said, after we burn the plantation down and they're distracted, we're going to be three plantations down and we're going to be freeing 20, 30, 40, 50 people. You understand what I'm saying? So I want us to understand that Cleaver said that we're not outnumbered, we're out, or, or out organized. We must plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. So after, the, after, after you've burned, after, at, what do we got next? What black companies are we going to build while they're destroying? You know, it's hard for it. Dave's Pizza was one of the one of the um, black companies that was affected. The windows were broken out. This man had donated twenty thousand to a COVID relief for minorities. He had done a lot of things. A young man, um, he took the money after he was gifted to be repaired and took the remaining money. Didn't save it. Didn't keep it. But helped other businesses repair. Mm -hmm. that's that's the soul of our community so i'm not against anything you did i'm not against you but i'm for atlanta atlanta is a is a is a fort in the diaspora in which black people can establish economic and economic superiority in, in um in some spaces and begin to help one another whether it's black bars hookah lounges restaurants those are the things that are fueling the jobs on the west side in the mm -hmm. castleberry district i don't want those i don't want two chains restaurant burnt down that's 80 jobs Mm -hmm. That's 80 jobs, primarily to African-Americans. You know what I'm saying? So I just want us to be at war strategically and not just on the defense. You know, um, people, people, people are right in that we don't own as much as other people. But the little we do own, we got to protect. My grandparents didn't have much. 
but the little two houses they own, they protected, they rented out, they made sure that we could go on vacation. They made sure that, and those are working class people, a nurse and a dump truck driver. So as a community, if we protect, like if you burnt Buckhead to the ground, Buckhead's burnt to the ground, the Castleberry District got all the same stuff. It's just a black version. So mm -hmm. don't burn down Castleberry District. <laughs> and, 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 and if you're in Buckhead, don't burn down Motor. Let's not burn down the agency again because all those are black-owned businesses too. And they don't have, you know, these insurance companies ain't going to show us the same kind of love. So let's just make sure we're looking out for one another through yeah. it all. And those places employ a lot of the essential workers that were going to work Absolutely. during the pandemic that we Absolutely. seem to forget that were they were out there doing the work that people look down on on a, on a daily basis, but couldn't survive without during that this COVID whole this whole COVID thing. Man, shouts out to the Waffle House work, but y'all the illest, like straight up. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen so many sisters and brothers, man. Make sure that working people can eat. You know what I'm saying in the mornings. In the afternoons, people that are working those jobs that, that could that never got off. So I, I don't know if I worked in the Waffle House, I'd be on the grill. But I just wanted to shout those people out because I was picking up some wood from Home Depot this morning. Man, I've seen a lot of working people and I've seen them working serving them. So shout out to all the essential workers. Thank y'all. And it's funny My because my wife is actually working at our food truck right now. She like is? Oh, yeah, like man. I said, she just got out of the truck. We we were, yeah, we were short staffed. So my wife is working the food truck. She's, She's an essential worker today. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. When you said don't burn the black businesses down, because it took a target to burn down for uh, Chauvin to get arrested. <laughs> it was when you they. Know what I was. Go ahead. What I was proud of is they burnt three police stations down. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's who we're really mad at. You know, we ain't mad at, you know, the corporations are and who they donate money to will piss you off. But who we really mad at. It's government who's taking our money and mishandling us. I was damn proud to see those three police stations because what it finally showed was that he, the people were angry enough to direct the anger at directly who it belonged to. That yeah. man sat on that man for eight minutes and 40 something seconds. Yeah. Evilly, cruelly. So if anybody is mad a government building got burned down, it should be the his supervisors because you knew he was an evil piece of scum. You knew he was the lowest thing on earth. And after 17 complaints, you allowed him to keep working until he finally killed someone. And those three punks that sat next to him did too. So well, God bless whoever set those police stations on fire. And and a few of them were white. So let's be clear about that because the pictures that yeah. they have of people throwing the, the Molotov cocktails were white. My, uh, yeah. My yeah, black folks don't know how to make no goddamn Molotov cocktails. Even you though me the last Negro you knew had some gas, the, the good sense to put dish detergent or sugar in the cocktail, and then throw they locked all our Molotov cocktails up. Matulu, you know what I mean? The solder they got out of here. You know what I mean? They locked our Molotov cocktails. We don't know how to make Molotov. I'm gonna tell y'all that we, we have yeah, most blacks have not read the anarchist handbook. So don't the cook, <laughs> I ain't have to cookbook. So nah, don't put that one on us, man. God, God bless our allies, but um. Yeah, that wasn't on us. That, no. You ain't going to get that one to us. That's funny. And the funny because my ben, ben Crump is my one of my mentors. He, I've known him since I was a kid. And from what I understand, there was a relationship between that, uh, that officer and uh, George Floyd, that they had known each wow. other and there was prior beef. And so that's what they're wow. investigating now, because if they can pr prove that, they can confirm it, then the charges move up to first degree murder. Wow. So the plot thickens. And hopefully, and hopefully a death sentence comes with it. Yeah, well, 
We'll see. So I, one of the things that we do here is every week um, from Charlemagne to Van Lathan is always uplift the names of the people who you know that are on the ground doing the work. Because a lot of times, as Dave Chappelle so boldly stated in that special he released this morning, which was brilliant, we like to uplift celebrities for what they have to say. And these people who are, you know, singing songs from their homes. But there are people who are on the ground that are actually doing the work. Who's on your list? I want everybody to do this, to go over to TMZ and, and Google Killer Mike talks to grassroots organizers just because I'm a tad bit stoned and I don't want to leave anybody's names off. Okay. But you get a chance to watch that whole actual conversation. I make sure Jennifer sends you the link because these are the people on a regional level throughout the nation that are doing it. And um, I just got to shout these guys out. They're on the call too, but Next Level Boys Academy, Gary Davis, he's doing such a good job with young men that are oftentimes facing prison sentences, even as juveniles. He is the one that I personally am most in support and involved in on my local level. And I encourage other people to do that, right? But go on there and look at all of them. We have prison reform advocates on there, people that are getting their voters' rights back. We have, um, we have, um, we have the New Georgia Project on there, and, and we have others. But I want you to go so that we can see everyone that I'm working with and I'm being counseled by um, so, that, so that you can see the conversation. Well, you have a new album that just came out. Yeah. And people yeah, are shouting it out here. There's yeah. the, so we want to make sure that this is how you support people who look like you. Um, when I go on, uh, I remember when I, I did uh, the Young Turks, uh, the week Nipsey was, was murdered and taken from us. And uh, they had not, they didn't know who Nipsey was. And we, we the way, you know, we had to use the platform they were like, you're going to talk about Nipsey here? And I was like, if yeah. I don't, who will? It's my job to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, ha we Absolutely. have to continue to uplift the people who look like us. I know you're busy. I know you're about to go get to that food truck, but I want to say thank you for yeah. taking time. And thank you. And I hope to come back again. And I love that pop yeah. art picture, Celia, you have back there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I, I, uh, that's my grandmother. She, was, she loved her. Oh, uh, man, that was she was one of the first people that helped me understand that we were all linked. And when, when I saw on television, she was taught in black history. She was taught in black history in my little school in the South. And then when I understood that the Afro-Latino collection um, connection, even down to Afro-Mexicans just getting acknowledged yeah. as a group two, three years ago. We I just want to encourage all of us, no matter how fair or dark our skin is, no matter no matter how far or up or down the color spectrum is to remember that we are a part of the earth's original people and we are to be celebrated and celebrate one another. So whatever nationalistic cultural differences or tribal differences that we may have are simply just differences of tribe and choice, but God put us here together and put us here perfect. And I love mm -hmm. us the whole, the whole diaspora. Yeah. And Australia too. Watch the rob the rabbit. Yeah, I'm talking fence. about the indigenous. Absolutely. 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 So, love uh, that. Thank you. Bless you so much. Keep doing thank what you're you. doing. You, we have to protect you at all costs because you are one oh, of man, that, Thank you guys so much. And we got to protect one another, man. Just Absolutely. let's keep protecting one another. All right. Thank you so all much. Right. All right. Bye. So uh, as uh, promised, I wanted to uh, just do my latest I'll Say It For You here because this is a shorter show today. And I wanted to make sure that um, I I spoke boldly about what was going on with the tearing down of monuments and uh, and statues that uh, people, uh, even Megan uh, Kelly, actually spoke out against because they were saying that it was part of history. So if these statues are part of history and it is important for us to be reminded of it, 
then why don't you have statues of the British soldiers that killed so many people in the battles that they won during the American Revolution, right? Because you don't want to be reminded. There's none up and in Boston for the Boston Massacre. You know, there where are the statues of that when Britain and America was fighting, when Britain was trying to keep America under its proverbial knee, where were those statues? So I, I just want to remind you all that that a lot of times that these white people who are fighting for these statues to be up up is because they need you to be reminded that you were inferior to them at one point because their mediocrity is is now catching up with them and that is the reason why they are they are so upset. So it is appalling and it is so sobering at the same time to realize how many racist people you have in your circle. The people who are walking around with you, the people who talk to you, the people who come to your house for dinners, who look at you because you have a degree and say you're not like the rest of them, or you're married to a white person, so you're not like the rest of them, or you have an, a, a, a business, so you're not like the rest of them. And I just want to remind you that you are like the rest of them, because in the eyes of white supremacy and racist people who don't like any of us, if they see you, they don't care about your accolades. And you know that this is true because you saw it in Central Park when the bird watching black man that went to Harvard had to be was told that the police would be weaponized against him if he didn't stop accosting the white woman for having a dog without a leash in an area where that was against the rules. And if you see the white woman, Ellen uh, Gonzalez or Hernandez, who's trending for not one, but two racist videos, as she was um, offending, accosting, and bullying two Asian people, and I believe one of them was a, a teenager, she said, this is from our government. We don't want you here. She also said, you don't want to mess with me because I will get you fucked up. And now we find out that her daughter is in the police force at, in Torrance. So what does that tell you? These people not only know that law enforcement has been misusing their power and abusing people of color, they know it so well that they even use their words to weaponize the law enforcement against you and remind you that if they call the police, something bad is going to happen to you. And they know that. So if that's not any, if, if that ain't evidence that that uh, white people even know that law enforcement has been misusing their power, I don't know what is. So as far as these statues, burn them all down, knock them all down. You know what? Put them in the museums with the rest of the artifacts that you stole from around the world so that you can have this cachet in America. Because a lot of the artifacts that they stole, a lot of the, the art that is hanging up in these museums that we love to go to so that we can we can impress people. Those things have been stolen from marginalized people throughout the world. So if you want to uphold the statues, um, put them in your backyard and see how that works out for you. Burn them all down, knock them all down. And for Ted Cruz, I, I, who I will address directly, who tweeted that Christopher Columbus discovered new lands Christopher Columbus discovered nothing but the syphilis that he gave to the many First Nations women that he raped. So let us be clear about people talking about white people coming to America to discover a land when the First Nations people were here and all over the world, Puerto Rico, the Tainos, Jamaica, the Tainos, um, Cuba, the Tainos, all throughout America from Paiote to, Ch to Cherokee, and imagine, just imagine, 
if the natives would have treated the white settlers, the when they came here, the way white people treat immigrants when they come here. Imagine if they would have just stopped those boats and said, you can't come here, you religiously conflicted criminals, uh, not wannabes, trash that Europe sent here. Imagine if they did that. Imagine if they said sink that ship and turned them away and killed them on arri arrival. Imagine if they would have done that. We wouldn't have all of these problems. So when a white person reminds you as a person of uh, color that this is not your country, you remind them like the girl who slapped the lady in the Shell, uh, Shell gas station in Arizona that this is not their country either. And for the Irish people and the Italian people who got upset with me about that joke because I made a joke about it and they said we were being oppressed in America, then shame on you for forgetting how badly they treated you for you to turn around and treat black and brown people that way. You of all people should know better not to treat people of color like that because you firsthand experienced it. All right, so here we're not mincing words and we're not holding our tongue. This is called Truth Serum and, and, and Truth Serum, it will remain. I'm Ida Rodriguez and I'll say it for you. We'll be back next week with D.L. Hughley.